We just welcome the wonderful presence of the Holy Spirit who's here today ministering to us and through us. And, and now, as Peter said, as we open the word and begin to speak, may as we speak today, may the Holy Spirit fall upon all of us just as he did at the beginning. May God confirm his word today with his own power and his own gifts. Lord, convince us and teach us, instruct us today, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. Open your Bibles, if you will, or click on your various Bible devices. The book of Matthew chapter 5 is where we are. Our series is called Follow Me, and that, that is because the, the gospel of Matthew calls the reader to respond to Jesus as a disciple. The book itself, the gospel is a call to respond. It is not an, an information. It is not just, here's data. It is a, okay, I'll say it. It's not information. It is a confrontation. You say, hey, wait a minute, not a confrontation. Yeah, yes. A charismatic rabbi walks, this sounds like a joke. So a charismatic rabbi walks up to guys in the boat and says, follow me. He's not giving them information, and that's a confrontation. It's either obey or rebel. Even if he's happy about it, it's still a confrontation. It's a confrontation with life and with truth and with eternity. So the Gospel of Matthew says, follow me. And so the rest of the text then tells us how, how to do that, what that means and how to do it. And we all, I always want to remind us that following Jesus means that we live for Him and we live like Him through vital contact with His Spirit. That's how we begin. And then as the Spirit works in our life, that's when we see, that's how, that, that's when we see the words in red, how we live this way and how this, this informs our faith and our expectation. We're in the Sermon on the Mount here now and, and we pick it up at verse 23, but let's kind of remember where we've been. We are still in this, uh, this section that began in verse 17 and through 20 where Jesus says, I have not come to, to uh, abolish the law or set it aside, but to fulfill the law. And, he, and we kind of explain what that meant. That doesn't mean that he's come to reinforce it or to say, yep, all of it's true. He has, it's all of it's true, but that he is the truth of the law. He is the fulfillment of it. He fulfills its expectations and it, and it hopes and reveals to us its ultimate meaning in righteousness, which is the goal of every follower of Jesus Christ, righteousness. Everybody say it with me. That's the goal and the expectation is righteousness. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live for. That's why we're alive to be righteous before God. And so, and Jesus, that's why he says, hey, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you won't even enter the kingdom of heaven. But he's not giving us a brand new list of rules to obey. He's inviting us to a whole new life to live. A whole new way of living. And so now he explains that. He gives at least six examples throughout chapter 5 of what he means by this righteousness. And so 
we are in this passage. We're still in that, this passage that we began last time where, we, where Jesus said that righteousness, in verses 21 and 22, righteousness is more than not murdering. Yeah, okay. I mean, what is everybody? so far, so good, right? Most of you, most of you can check that one off. Got it. Good to go. Let's head to Sherry's. Okay. Uh, Elmer's, here we come. Uh, but today, Jesus is going to address the other side of hostility. Again, last week was about you being offended, you being angry, you having or showing contempt toward others and how that is unrighteous, and ultimately you'll be held accountable for God, for, toward God, and that's where Jesus first says, first introduces the, uh, the idea of hell in, how we, in, the, in the contempt we have and show toward others. Yikes. We learned last week that don't, that don't kill means that we don't injure people with anger or debase them with contempt. It means that people are valuable, and ultimately it is a command to love. This week, though, is about you being the one who has caused an offense. (laughs) Yeah, while we're at it, let's just twist it, shall we? Today we'll see that righteousness reconciles. Everybody say that out loud with me, please. Righteousness reconciles. And here's how it does. First of all, righteousness rights a wrong. It rights a wrong. Let's look at verses 23 and 24 first. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother... Now, I I, I should pause here. I'm reading from the New American Standard. It's it's being really literal, and it should. It's being historic, and it should. But the word brother doesn't preclude the sisters in the house. All right? So, so just in case anyone's like, oh, good, brothers have to be nice, but us sisters can just tear it up. <laughs> no. Uh, it's, uh, that's Adelphi is brothers and, brothers and sisters, okay? It, and your siblings. Someone say sibling. So this is addressed to your siblings, and Jesus is speaking. The words of red are talking to disciples, right? Everybody can listen, but this is to disciples. So he's talking to, to us, you and me. Everybody say, you and me. He's talking to you and me, and so this is, now, let's come back here. If you're presenting your offering at the altar, and there you remember that your sibling has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your sibling, and then come and present your offering. Here's the scenario that Jesus gives. This is an example, and this is how it's rabbinical in nature, but Jesus is the, the best of the best. And so what he does and is that Paul, or Paul, because Paul does it too, Jesus gives an ultimate example on purpose. So the, the, the ultimate example then is then by logic includes everything up to that. So he gives this ultimate example. What's he doing here? To you and me, it might just seem normal, but he is giving an extreme example that here you are presenting an offering, a gift at the altar, you know, trying to dramatic music playing, at the altar in Jerusalem. He has given us 
this is a, a, a situation that is, has clearly a priority. Can you, I know that none of us are first century Jews, but can you try to imagine you're at the altar in Jerusalem, you're at this place, you're at, and you're, you're with a priest, and you're presenting something to the Lord. This is, you have already silenced your cell phones. Right? You're already like, shh, this is more than just a movie started. This is a sacred, serious moment. Do you feel it? This is something that normally, absolutely, would not be interrupted. Right? You feel that? This is, this is why Jesus isn't just willy-nilly here. He's bringing something very specific. You certainly, at that moment, right? Go ahead and start nodding your head. At, at this moment, you certainly can't be bothered by the nuisance of other people's feelings at that time. You have more important things to do. No, you don't. And there's the oish. Jesus said, if there and you remember that your brother has something against you. Now listen to this carefully because if you've been in church for a couple of weeks or a minute, you know that most people like to take this and think this is a proof text for just getting something off their chest. They use this verse as like, well, you know what that verse says, so I've got to tell you how I feel. I've been mad at you for a long time, and I've got to tell you just to make it right with the Lord. That is not, that is not what this says anywhere. <laughs> well, you know, Jesus said, I've got to get this off my chest. No, he didn't. If there you remember that your brother has something against you, no, this is not that you have something against another. This is not you offended that sin. This is you remembering. Now, besides, besides, let's be honest, you really haven't forgotten that you've been offended. Your memory is too focused on that to have to try to remember it. This is you remembering that your actions in some way have caused offense or hurt to someone else. Our memory's a little softer on that. This is not your complaint against someone else, but theirs against you. Someone has, quote, something against you, and you know who, and you know why. You have injured or debased or hurt someone. And you've probably justified it to yourself by measuring your intentions or comparing yourself against other people and how they've done it worse. But however you've got there, Jesus said, you've come to a place, even at the altar, even when you're giving your gift, and you remember, wink, wink, probably the Holy Spirit is helping you remember, and you remember that you've hurt someone, someone has something against you. If that's the case, Jesus says, leave your gift and go back and make right what is wrong. Be reconciled. Ooh, just say that out loud, will you? What is reconcile? I mean, I like that word. My dad probably likes it better, being a good banker. But uh, reconcile means to restore, to, to right, or to positive relations. Reconcile means, friends, doesn't it? There is an imbalance in the ledger because you have overdrawn. You've overspent that account. There's red ink. There's red ink and you've spilled it. 
what does Jesus say? Fix it. Make right what is wrong. Apologize. Apologize. Four syllable words. Let's say it out loud together, right? Apologize. How do we do that? I am sorry. I'm sorry that you felt that way. <clears throat> wrong again. <laughs> I'm sorry if you were offended. <clears throat> wrong again. <laughs> I am sorry. Stop. Stop, 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 stop. I got this, Deb. Okay, I am sorry. I was wrong. I want to make this right. I never want this to happen again. Acknowledge what was done. Acknowledge that it was wrong. Acknowledge that it was unkind. Go ahead. Don't be afraid of humility. It'll feel great once you get that coat on. Acknowledge that it was unkind or immoral or unrighteous. Just throw a light on it and make restitution. Whatever way that's possible, Jesus says, be reconciled. This is why Paul will later say in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, Paul says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Now, oftentimes, I suppose people see that even, even further. People, don't we love to look for loopholes? And so here's a loophole, if possible, so far as it depends. Well, I gave it a shot, you know. Well, I texted them, and they didn't respond, so. Washed my hands of the matter. Uh, uh, no, it, what, here's Paul echoing the words of Jesus. If there's any way possible within the scope of your ability and, and however you can be responsible, peace is your responsibility. Now, this is not to invite us to be codependent or weird or to take on introspective guilt. But really, Jesus and Paul are saying, to the best of your ability, you make it right. You can't override anyone else's free will, but the Lord knows if you're being sincere. Peace is your responsibility. And Jesus says, do it first before your offering. Meaning you can't stiff arm your way to the, to the altar. You can't hurt others on your way to honoring God. God does not... <laughs> and this is where Facebook Jesus will get upset with us, but... God does not accept our worship when we ignore our offenses. <laughs> I bet 11 o'clock will be much more quiet there. <laughs> We cannot do, and here's, here's kind of what, honestly, this kind of is a poke at some first century rabbinical Jewish practices here. You cannot do a little more here in order to make up for a problem over here. The idea is I've, 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 I've uh, where's Meg? I've hurt Meg, I've offended her, and I know it, but I don't necessarily want to do anything about that. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna grease the grease the offering plate a couple of more fivers. Call it good between me and God, am I right? Oh my God. <laughs> no. And maybe that sounds silly, but maybe you think, oh, you know what? I know I might have offended someone, but gosh, look how many, look how long, look how long I served in children's church today. You know, I just done, I've just done so much that, you know, it's, you know, I'm really the victim here. Oh my 
it happens. It happens. You cannot do a little more here to make up for a problem over there. You cannot seek friendship with God while hosting hostility toward or from your neighbor. Again, this is not <laughs> this is not a this is not about your opportunity to confront. This is about your opportunity to deal with your problem, not your opportunity to confront someone. If right now, as we say all of this, you are compiling a list of people who owe you, then you are perverting this passage to accommodate carnality. Jesus says, first reconcile, then come back and worship. You know, again, it's easy for us to see that and go, okay, before I, you know, I got to, but again, he's so brilliant and you this is why you've got to climb inside the text to get, understand what's happening. We've talked about where Jesus is a few weeks ago and, and, and in terms of who he's talking to. Remember that up until this point, Jesus is still in Galilee. His, this is his Galilean ministry. And he's, in, he's still in Capernaum. He's in Capernaum in Galilee, and he's telling people who live in, pardon my voice, but you've got to feel this. He's telling people who live in Capernaum that if they're in Jerusalem about to put their offering in and they remember that they've offended someone, he says, leave it there and go back. That is an 80-mile trip. That would take them three days. Put that there, go back 80 miles, deal with what you need to deal with, then come all the way back. Now we get to feel the weight of what Jesus is leveraging. His audience in Galilee, he's the, in fact, the, perhaps the bigger message is this. You really should live like this would never be necessary. Included in this message is the implication that God does not receive or entertain our worship while we allow the pain that we have caused to linger in people's lives. Believers, is your devotional life suffering? Is your worship not feeling very fulfilling? Not throwing things here, but just pause and consider. If there seems to be a barrier, it may be that we ourselves have constructed it. Because we have wronged others and have done nothing to put it right. Righteousness reconciles. It rights a wrong. Now, Jesus continues uh, in verses 25 and 26, and he really sort of recapitulates the principle, but he, but he gives another example, which is very, uh, very normal for, uh, again, a rabbinical approach to take a principle and give two kind of ideas or two examples of it. Uh, so verses 25 and 26, Jesus says, make friends quickly. I like the New American Standard here. Make friends quickly. Ooh, everybody just say those three words, will you? Make friends quickly. There's the thrust. There's the imperative. Make friends quickly, urgently, with your opponent at law while you are with him on the way 
so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Truly I say to you, you will not come out of there until you've paid the last cent. So now here he gives another kind of extreme example, right? You're actually on your way to court. You should not say been there. <laughs> That's fine. You might want to murmur that more quietly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did I say that out loud? Uh, you're on your way to court with someone who has something against you, an opponent. This is, a, this is the plaintiff, and you're the defendant. What does Jesus say here? He's not... He's not he, 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 this is before we talk about just writing a wrong, but he is, he's pressing it further here. This is not just ne- merely balancing the ledger. He actually says, make friends quickly with the person who has a case against you. That, that Make friends. Your Bible might say agree with or something like that. Agree with is one way of translating that phrase. But the most kind of literal idea that there, that command is to share space. Share space, to see what's happening from their view, to get inside. This is about empathy. This is about walking in their shoes. This is about being reunited with them. Give yourself wholly to them. This is is about making an adversary into a friend. That's righteousness. Not just righting a wrong, Restoring a relationship. Not just righting a wrong, but restoring a relationship. Righting a wrong may result in the phrase, we're even. But righteousness doesn't settle for, hey, we're even. Righteousness moves toward, we are friends. We are restored. Wow. Leave off strife before you begin. In all your disagreements, be eager for peace. Do not allow bad relationships to remain unresolved. That's really the, how the rest of this thing plays out. He says, if you leave this thing unresolved, you know you're going to go to the judge and then to the court. They're going to throw you in prison. You're gonna, you won't get out until you've paid the last, and the last penny or the last whatever it says in your Bible. Jesus is quoting the smallest piece of currency uh, at the time. You won't get out until the, it will cost you. Conflict is too costly to leave unresolved. Don't, therefore, don't let it control and devastate you. Jesus says, make friends, not enemies. Ah, I just think, don't you think it's too easy for people just to make enemies? Just to accept friction? I think social media has made that, 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 that sense of autonomy even more easy, but it just happens. Oh, you know, what? whatever. No, the truth is you can't afford enemies. You can't afford the strife. Jesus, that's not righteousness. James 3.16 says, Where there is envying and strife, there is confusion and every evil work. Yeah. I'm going to have you hold on to the commentary there. This, uh, but while where there is envying and strife, there is confusion in every evil work. Where we allow strife, we actually open the door for 
evil to come. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Someone say, give preference. That means I'm going, to, I have, I'm going to be willing to sacrifice my ego in order to restore a relationship. Righteousness rights a wrong and restores a relationship. Jesus Following Jesus means real righteousness. Would you all say it? Real righteousness. Following Jesus means that we treat others with respect and positive regard, loving them so as to preclude, as to make not necessary these illustrations. If we are loving people like disciples of Jesus should, we shouldn't find ourselves in examples like Jesus is giving. Not that it really like is essential to the text, but these are in the, the Greek subjunctive, which means Jesus is saying, if this sort of thing would happen, if you happen to find yourself in this circumstance, which means you don't have to. You don't have to find yourself in a situation where you have to choose between honoring God and not harming someone else. You don't have to find yourself where you have acted in a way that dishonors others or in an unloving way that suddenly you invited such hostility that now there's actually a case against you. Following Jesus means that we love others. This is so... We love others so as not to offend or wrong them. And if we back up, everybody say back up. We back up and look at the whole passage. We, following Jesus means we love others so as not to offend them and, drum roll, so as not to be offended. Righteousness lives with no offense. Doesn't pick up offenses, doesn't get mad, doesn't look for reasons why people make them mad, doesn't, doesn't quickly, all that stuff that we talked about last week, about anger and hostility, righteousness doesn't do that. And righteousness doesn't live so recklessly and lovelessly as to cause or offense or injure others. It turns out then, when, G, when, when Moses stood up and said, don't kill, he actually meant love well. Don't murder means love people well. Romans chapter 13 and verse 10. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus said, I have come to fulfill it. And that's what it means to follow Jesus. Let's pray together this morning.